Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Frank Amadeo is a rapid cycling bipolar with features of schizophrenia. He believes that God is telling him that he is preordained to be emperor of the world. Guys were literally mocking him. They were like, you see that guy? That guy was trying to take over the world. This guy stole like almost $200 million from the federal government and tried to use it to take over the Congo and several different Eastern European countries. Frank, at this point, has started to work on other inmates' legal work. He's got six guys typing for him. He has guys that are paralegals. He had crips guarding the door. He had Crip gang members keeping his appointment schedule for him. And I tell Shannon what happened in my case. And he's like, you need to talk to Frank. I can see in his face he's about to lose it. When my troops march on Washington, we will burn. And he looks at me. And he says, says, don't worry. I'm not going to let this happen. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make them reduce your sentence. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm going to be telling the story of Frank Amadeo. Frank Amadeo is an inmate that I met while I was incarcerated. He helped me tremendously. And he's got a, a really interesting and and listen more than that, he's got a, an extremely unique story. So you're you're if you're if you tune into this and watch all of these episodes that I'm going to do, and I've written a book on on Frank, you're never going to hear a story like this ever. So let me go ahead and and, and start by saying that I was incarcerated in federal prison. I had committed bank fraud. I was on the run. I, just a little bit of background. Probably most people know my story. I've been on a bunch of podcasts and there have been several programs on me. But I was incarcerated and uh, and I got 26 years. Uh, I got a 26-year sentence that was outrageously long, I feel, for what I had done. But essentially my crime is the short version is I owned a mortgage company. Uh, I was committing fraud at the mortgage company. The brokers that worked for me were committing fraud. I got caught. I was given a, a three-year probationary sentence. I then, you know, like I should have just gone and got a regular job, served out my probation, and just lived a regular life, but I didn't do that. What I did was I started a much larger scam, and at that point where when I was worked for the mortgage company, I was just like changing documents. I wasn't really doing anything super overtly scammy uh, fraudulent as much as I was just changing documents, which is fraud, but not like it was really just to get people loans. So now I, I got in trouble. And what I did was I started creating what's called synthetic identities. I started creating fake people. I convinced social security 
to issue me social security numbers to children that don't exist. I then built credit profiles using those social security numbers. Um, once those credit profiles were built, you could now pull the credit for someone on a social security number that had been issued eight months earlier. You could pull that credit. And of course, it didn't say it was a, a three-year-old or a two-year-old a two-year-old child. It said that it was somebody who was like 30 years old. But you could pull this credit and he had 700 credit scores. I then bought a bunch of houses in those different various names. I then borrowed money against those houses, borrowed $11.5 million over the course of about 18 months. Eventually, the FBI finds out. The FBI comes to arrest me. I then went on the run. While I was on the run, I borrowed an additional three and a half to four million dollars. The Secret Service got involved. Uh, After three years, I was captured. After I was captured, I was um, I was brought to Atlanta, and at that point, this is late 2007. This is the beginning of the 2008 financial crisis. Like at this point, you're starting to see cracks in the system. And banks are starting to fail and things are going bad. And and I became kind of the poster child for identity theft and and bank fraud. And so they really, really threw the book at me. Um, I probably should have gotten 10 years or so, which I deserved. I I had that coming for sure. Uh, But instead, I got 26 years. Now, when I got caught, the government asked me to cooperate against my co-defendants, which had only one or two had actually gone to prison. And so there were still about 13 people that had never been, that were caught up in my invest in the, in my case, but had never gone to prison. They'd all cooperated already. And and all of them said, Oh, I don't know what he was doing. You know, he asked me to do this, but that wasn't illegal. So they all kind of covered for themselves and blamed everything on me. So they asked, the government asked me to cooperate against them. So I met with the FBI. I met with the secret service, but nothing happened with those cases. So while I was waiting to be sentenced, the government came to me and they said, listen, Mr. Cox, you know, maybe something happens with these cases. You're going to get 26 years, but we'd like you to be interviewed by Dateline, uh, NBC News. Dateline had already done a one hour special on me and my case, and they wanted to interview me. So my lawyer talked to the U.S. attorney. U.S. attorney said, um, if he, if Mr. Cox does this, if he's interviewed, we'll consider that what's called substantial assistance, which means we'll consider that for a sentence reduction. So the, the government, give you, I'll give you an example. If the government gets, gives you, let's say 30 years, if you cooperate and that cooperation is considered substantial assistance, they have the right to file a motion with the government and get your sentence reduced. So typically, really exclusively, cooperation or sorry, substantial assistance only results as for when someone cooperates against their co-defendants and their co-defendants get indicted and they go to prison. So if you, you know, if you rat out somebody or snitch on somebody and then they get in trouble and they go to prison, then you can get your sentence reduced. The government considers that substantial assistance and they reduce your sentence. Well, the government told my lawyer, if he, if Mr. Cox is interviewed by Dateline, we'll consider that substantial assistance and we'll reduce his sentence. He's going to get 26 years, but we'll reduce it. And so my lawyer's like, you've got to do it. Like you don't have a choice. 
And I it, admittedly, like I didn't have a choice. Like they, I, it, it was the government, what the FBI and secret service were investigating these other people that had been involved in, in my various scams. But that was no, there was no guarantee that that was going to lead to arrest. I, I thought it was because I knew they were extremely guilty. Um, but I also wanted to do as much as I could to help myself and help my situation, right? I don't want to spend the next 25 years in prison. So I was interviewed by Dateline just before I was sentenced. The interview comes out. It gets a ton of views. I then am, I'm going to sentencing, but nobody had been indicted in my case. Like nobody had been arrested. All these guys that I had cooperated against, none of them had been in, had had been um, arrested. So we're, I'm going to to sentencing, and I did do the interview. So we're expecting that the government's going to say, "Look, Your Honor, he should get 26 years, but we're going to ask for a reduction in his sentence because he did was interviewed by Dateline, and he's also." helped toward the investigation of multiple other parties. So the day, uh, or it's really like the day of, day before the day of my sentencing, my lawyer speaks with the U.S. attorney and the U- and says, look, what are you going to recommend for his sentence to be reduced? And she says, you know, my lawyer's name was Millie. And the U.S. attorney's name was Gail McKenzie. So she says, you know, Gail says, you know, Millie, thought about this and yes, the dateline thing happened, but nobody's been arrested on his case. And I thought about it and I'm not going to ask for a reduction in his sentence right now. We're going to wait and see if there's some arrests. Well, Millie, of course, Millie says, well, you said you'd consider it substantial assistance. She says, I did consider it substantial assistance. I do. I've considered it and it's not, it's not enough to, to warrant a reduction. You know, which is a shitty thing for them to do. But once again, they thought that there was going to be arrests in my case. So I go to tr- I go to sentencing. I get in front of the judge. The judge gives me 26 years and four months, which is what the probation, which is what my 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 range was, right? So probate, there's a probation officer. He looks at all your uh, all the criteria that you meet as far as sentencing, and he determines that this is what they're recommending. And the, they recommended 26 years and four months. The judge gave it to me. Okay, that's a shitty day. So I then get sentenced to prison. I go to prison. I go to a medium security prison. I'm at the medium security prison. And we're going to get into Frank Amadeo in a minute. Just give me give me a couple minutes. I'm setting it up for people that don't know the story. So I go to a medium security prison and I wait. I wait to see if these these other people are going to be indicted. Like I'm assuming the FBI is going to indict a bunch of people in Tampa. Secret Service is going to indict some people. And um, those people are going to plead guilty or go to trial, whatever the case may be. And then, of course, the government's going to come and say, hey, Mr. Cox really helped us in this case. These cases, we're going to reduce the sentence. And I kind of always assume my sentence would be reduced down to about I don't know, six or seven years, something like that. I don't know why that was in my mind. I thought that's probably what I deserved was something like that, which was way off. Um, Here's what happens is after like a year or so of being at the medium, I call my U.S. my my public defender. I call Millie and Millie says, I said, Millie, what's going on? Why? What's happening? Like nobody's come to see me. What's going on? So she goes, I don't know. Let me call. So she calls around. She calls and 
the U.S. attorney says that they're look, still looking into it. Uh, at some point, after like a year, after about two years, an FBI agent shows up because what ended up happening was the FBI agents that were in my on my case got transferred. So they used that as an excuse. Then they also said, listen, by this point, it's 2009. Like the entire economy is collapsing at this point. So it's too, well, late, 2000, late 2008, 2009, the economy is collapsing. So finally, an FBI agent comes out. Her name is Leslie. Um, uh, she comes out really nice. Comes out, interviews me. Gosh, I don't know how many times she came out. I want to say four or five. I could be wrong. Maybe it was three times. be honest, I think it was four or five times. So she comes out, spends several hours. We go over boxes, different things, uh, try and put together a case. She at, at some point, she puts together a case. She goes to the U.S. attorney in Tampa and says, look, I want to arrest. I want to indict and arrest all these guys. And the U.S. attorney in Tampa says, eh, it, it, that case is five years. Some of these cases are four years old, five years old six years old. We're not really interested in pursuing those. We've got banks that are failing right now. We're going to go after them. Why would we go after a six-year-old case? You know. So in that case, I really screwed myself by going on the run. Um, I, I had already put off, put it off. And then, of course, being prosecuted, that was another year. It took that another year. So, I mean, it was four, like four, I, I, I should have stayed in Tampa and cut all those people's throats. But the point is, that's not what happened. So I call Millie, talk to my, talk to her, and she says, Matt, I'm sorry. They're not going. They're not going to indict anybody. This is not going to happen. I said, "Well, oh my gosh. Well, what about the Dateline thing?" And she was like, "I told you. I talked to the U.S. Attorney, and she said it's just not enough." So I don't know what to do at this point. Now, by this point, I've been taken from the medium security prison, and I was transferred to the low security prison. So I'm at the low security prison, and. I get a letter from a production company that produces the TV show American Greed. They ask for me to be interviewed. I contact my probation, I contact my public defender, Millie. Millie says, yep, I got a letter too. She'd already received a phone call from the U.S. attorney. The U.S. attorney said, I want him to be interviewed for that show. If he's interviewed, I will definitely consider it substantial assistance. Great. I'm interviewed by American Greed. The show comes out. After the show comes out, Millie contacts Gail McKenzie and says, Gail, the show came out. Looks like it's doing well. He's done everything he said he would do. Can we please get that reduction now? And the U.S. attorney says, it's just not enough. I'm sorry. And, you know, no arrest. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Us were made. The, these are great things that he did. And I understand that I said they, I'd consider them substantial assistance and I did consider them substantial assistance and they're not, it's, and they're not. So they did, they always say, consider, I will consider it. Which is comical unless you're the recipient of that. Um, so after, within six months to a year of that. So now by this point, I've been locked up like five years. By this point, I'm writing my own story. 
and I'm writing a book about myself. Well, what ends up happening is... Buried by the U.S. government and ignored by the national media, this is the story they don't want you to know. When Frank Amadeo met with President George W. Bush at the White House to discuss NATO operations in Afghanistan, no one knew that he'd already embezzled nearly $200 million from the federal government, money he intended to use to bankroll his plan to take over the world. From Amadeo's global headquarters in the shadow of Florida's Disney World, with a nearly inexhaustible supply of the Internal Revenue Services funds, Amadeo acquired multiple businesses, amassing a mega conglomerate. Driven by his delusions of world conquest, he negotiated the purchase of a squadron of American fighter jets and the controlling interest in a former Soviet ICBM factory. He began working to build the largest private militia on the planet, over one million Africans strong. Simultaneously, Amadeo hired an international black ops force to orchestrate a coup in the Congo while plotting to take over several small Eastern European countries. The most disturbing part of it all is, had the U.S. government not thwarted his plans, he might have just pulled it off. It's insanity. The bizarre, true story of a bipolar megalomaniac's insane plan for total world domination. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Or yes, at this point, I get contacted by a guy named Jim Montrum. Jim Montrum owns a real estate school that teaches, um, teaches mortgage brokers uh, how to get licensed. So he ta- he teaches a class, you get a certificate that makes you eligible to go and take a state test and then you can be a mortgage broker. Teaches these classes all over the United States, right? It's a national mortgage broker educational um, uh, school. Well, Jim contacts me and Jim says, hey Matt, listen, this is kind of, you know, this is interesting. Um, I'd like to write an ethics and fraud course. So what, what, what happens is for you to be a mortgage broker, you have to take something like, I'm going to say it's like nine hours of continuing, might be 12 hours, whatever. You have to take a certain amount of educational course, educational, um, continuing education classes every year. Three or four of those hours are on ethics and fraud. So he said, I want to write an ethics and fraud course that meets the federal guidelines which will um, help mortgage brokers. And I want to write, help, have you help me write it. I want to base it completely off of you and your experience. Because I had actually owned a mortgage company. I was a licensed mortgage broker. So I said, wow, that'd be amazing. So I said, but I need to get that approved through the U.S. attorney. So this time, the U.S. Jim actually flies up. Do they think he flies up or drives up? Uh, he flies up, I think, he flies up to Atlanta. He meets with the U.S. attorney and my lawyer. She writes an email saying, if Mr. Cox writes this course, I will absolutely consider it substantial assistance. Listen, this is how scummy these people are. Like, I don't, I hate to say that people are scummy or U.S. attorneys are scummy or that any, you know, there's good and bad people, you know. And I'm not saying she's doing a bad thing to a good person, but doing a bad thing to a bad person is still shitty. So she says, if he writes this course, I will consider it substantial assistance. I write the course. It's 9,500 words. It's a great course. Probably one of the great, uh, greatest courses. This, I sound like Trump. 
Probably the greatest course that was ever written, but no, but listen, a lot of people have actually said, uh, guys that have written, they're like, bro, that's like the most compelling course I've ever read in continuing education. Like it, it's still being used. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was actually adopted by some F, uh, by an ethics and fraud course that's being, that's being taught. So my point is, um, I, I write the course, it's done, it's being used. We get a letter from Jim Montrum, from, we get testimonials, everything. We go to the U.S. Attorney and say, boom, ready to go, ready for that reduction. And Gail McKenzie looks at it and says, first she dodges my lawyer for about three months. Finally, my lawyer catches up to her in an elevator, traps her in an elevator and says, what's going on with Matt Cox? And sure enough, she says, it's just not enough. It's not enough to warrant a reduction. She goes, because the real, and so what it boils down to is, here's the, the real problem. The real problem is this. She's saying, I don't know how to make a motion for a reduction based on the guide, the rule 35 guidelines when they specifically state in the guidelines that this has to be based off of, um, of arrest, indictments and arrest of other individuals. She's like, this doesn't meet that criteria, despite the fact that she'd been telling my lawyer that the whole time. So when I'm talking, so when Millie's telling me this on the phone, I'm in prison and I'm like, but you said, like, I'd never looked up the guidelines. I don't know what they say. And I said, but you said that she would consider, she goes, I know Matt, and she did consider it and it's not. And she said, I'm sorry. When your lawyer starts crying on the phone with you, you have a problem. Things are going bad for you because they see hor horrific sentences and things happen all the time. And when sh your lawyer's telling you you're getting a raw deal, it's a problem because they're jaded. They're used to people getting 30 years and life sentences and just being like, yeah, I know it's bad and just being okay with it. She was in tears. So, I realize I'm really in a bad spot and um, I end up calling several at that point. I know I'm, I'm just done, right? The FBI has, has given up on indicting anybody. It's been way too old. Now the statute of limitations is going, is, is starting to expire. These people aren't getting arrested. Secret service dropped their cases. Right, so they they actually just get, just they they're not interested in indicting anybody because basically my crime spree when I was on the run and the Secret Service got involved was basically me, me and a girl named Rebecca Halk, and Rebecca's already gone to prison, done three years, and got out. So there's nobody really to necessarily indict. There were a few people that could have been indicted, but they just chose not to. Right, whole economy's collapsing. Why are we going to mess with this? So now I'm getting to Frank Amadeo. At this point, I actually called a few lawyers on the street, you know, on the street, right? So I, I call them lawyers that aren't locked up because believe it or not, there are lawyers that are locked up. So I call a couple of lawyers and some of them were like big time lawyers. I actually called T.I.'s lawyer, you know, T.I., the rapper guy that cooperated, right? I actually called his lawyer and he said, one, I have no money and he said, you're doomed. Like if the government doesn't file it voluntarily, you cannot force the government to do it. Now in my, in the, the district that I was in, which is the Northern district of Georgia, there's different, all the federal, the federal government, U S attorneys or U S attorney offices and are broken up into different districts. Most states have three districts, right? 
the uh, you know northern, middle, middle, and southern districts. So I was in the northern district of Georgia, e- even though the bulk of my stuff was from Florida. Uh, they had indicted me first, and everything was consolidated there. So that U.S. attorney really hated my guts, and basically, they, every lawyer I talked to in that area said, "Look, in this district." If they don't file it voluntarily, you cannot force them. Now, there are some, you go to California, you can force them to file it, right? You go to New York, you can force the government to file a reduction in your sentence. If you've cooperated and they say, yeah, to hell with him. No, that's not how it works. But down south, it's a little bit more good old boys. We don't have to play by the rules. We have our own set of rules. And they, they every both two different lawyers said, yeah, you're done, bro. You're hit. Like, there's nothing you can... I don't know what to tell you. Not that I could have paid these guys to represent me, but I did call them. I'm being told it ain't happening. So at this point, I, I, and I already, I don't want to say I noticed Frank Amadeo. I'd already seen Frank Amadeo. But at this point, I actually, I'm so desperate that I start thinking, how can I just file this myself? Like, I I have to try. You know, a lot of guys get in there. They're di- like, if you have five years, a five-year sentence, a lot of guys with five-year sentences, they don't even fight their case. Why would you? Why would you fight your case? Like, it takes six months to prepare that motion. It takes, then you file it, and it, the, the government gets like three, three, they'll get like 90 days to respond. And then at, just as they're about to do their response, they'll ask the court, oh, you're, we're, we're overwhelmed. Can you give us another another 60 days? They'll go, sure. They give them another 60 days. They got 90 days, then 60 days. Then they file. Then you have 90 days to respond. You file in 90 days. Then the government has 90 days to respond to your, it's like, it literally takes a year, maybe a year and a half before the government, before the judge actually gets the motion. And then he has he he'll hold it for six months to a year before he he actually files before he actually makes a decision. So you could it could take up to two years. Like so, if you have a five year sentence, you probably spent a year in the county jail waiting to be sentenced. You got sentenced. You go to you end up going to to a prison. You have one year to file something. Right, you 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 get what's called um, time barred. You have one year from the date of your sentencing. You have one year to file a, a motion where you're basically saying, "Hey, this isn't right." Well, and then it takes two years, and then if the judge rules against you and you appeal it, that takes another eighteen months to two years. So by that point, you've served your five year sentence, and a five year sentence you only served three and a half years. So. It's not so most guys, but I had 26 years. So it's like, I might as well file. Why wouldn't I file something? It had been, I was already time barred, right? So if you can one, get around what's called the time bar, like you can plead your case well enough to explain that the time bar doesn't, uh, it does not apply to you. And it, it really kind of did apply to me. So I was in prison thinking, how do I file this motion? I'm not a lawyer. I'm already time barred. It, it takes a fucking rocket science. It takes a genius to get around the time bar. Like it's a miracle to get around the time bar. And then even if you can get around the time bar and you file it, it's a miracle that you're going to get the 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 judge to rule in your favor. Like there's just too many things that just aren't. But but yeah, might as well file it, right? Why not file it? But I'm not a lawyer. 
So I'm looking around, talking to some different guys in there. And one of the guys in there that was doing law work was a guy named Frank Amadeo. Now, I'd noticed Frank Amadeo a year or so earlier when he first got to the institution. And he was so heavily drugged that he would sit at at a table. Like, he'd go in to eat, and he'd just sit at the table and stare at the table. I mean, literally, like, drools running down his chin. Like, I mean, this is... He's on so much like Thorazine and all these different drugs because he had what's called, he, he was, he is what's called a rapid cycling bipolar. And it's something like an access, the actual, it's like an access five rapid cycling, cycling bipolar, which means he doesn't go through several days of manic episodes. He's constantly kind of up and down, up and down, up and down. And he was like comatose for like a year. Then he got off, the, he convinced the doctors at Coleman to take him off the drugs. So he, they wing him off the drugs and then he starts fighting his case. Once again, he was also time barred, by the way, because by the time they take him off the drugs and he's mentally capable enough to fight his own case, he's time barred. So, you know, what a scam that is. They indict him, arrest him, sent, convince him to, to be sentenced or to take a plea. He takes a plea. He got 22 years, and Frank Amadeo went to prison, and then they kept him so doped up, he had no chance to appeal his decision and file what's called a 2255 in order to try and reverse or correct the, 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 his sentence. So, but it had been a couple years that he'd been there. And I'd noticed him, but I'd never talked to him because guys were literally mocking him. They were like, you see that guy? That guy was trying to take over the world. And we were like, what? It was like a joke. It was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, listen to what he did. This guy stole like almost $200 million from the federal government and tried to use it to take over the Congo and several different Eastern European countries. Um, tried to build his own private army and when it, 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 this guy literally, when it, when it eventually started to go wrong, the U.S. attorney came in, they indicted him, and they threw him in prison. He got 22 years for trying to take over the world. That's what they were saying. That wasn't really the case, and you'll see what happens. I'll explain it. But the taking over the world part is true. So to give you a little bit of explanation as to what his condition is, before I get into Frank's story, is this, is that Frank Amadeo is a rapid cycling bipolar with features of schizophrenia. So during the course of his extreme highs, which happen very, they spike very quickly. He believes that God is telling him that he is preordained to be emperor of the world. And he 100% believes this. And you, so you can imagine guys in prison are harsh. Like they, 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 they don't, they, one, they don't believe in taking, you know, a lot of them don't want, they don't like guys taking medication. They think that makes you weak. You're weak of mind. You're this. So to have a guy walking around that's in prison, and there are newspaper articles about it and everything, you know, where this guy literally thinks God's telling him he's prior, he's going to take over the world. He's made it his destiny to be emperor of the world. That's how he says it. He never says president. He never says ruler. It's emperor of the world. So, you can imagine how people kind of mock this guy. Even if they didn't say anything to his face, they mocked him behind his back. And so I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm not interested in dealing with some guy who's so medicated he, he can't 
hold his mouth closed to keep the drool inside. But by this point, he's not on medication anymore. And listen to what he's done. He, Frank, at this point, has started to work on other inmates' legal work. Frank is actually a tax attorney, not a criminal defense attorney. And I'll explain this later. He, he was, he's a disbarred uh, attorney. I'll, I'll, we'll get into that. But for right now, let me just explain. So he, what he had done was, while incarcerated, Frank had put together a, a medium-sized law firm. He started teaching a course. Like, I taught the real estate course in prison, as funny as that is. I taught the real estate course. Like, they have these things called continuing education course courses, but there's no money to fund those, right? So they have inmates teach them. Like, they, they say, oh, no, we got lots of programs. Yeah, you have programs that inmates are teaching. So I'm teaching the residential real estate course. Frank Amadeo is teaching the legal research course, which is what it's called. It's, it teaches inmates how to do legal research. And they have computers in prison that have legal, you know, f- legal cases on them, right? So it's it's kind of like Pacer, but it's a little bit scaled down version. It's got about five or ten percent of the cases that are on on Pacer, which is the federal system. But it'll but you have to know how to use the system and what to research. So he starts teaching a course on how to research cases, how to fight cases, how to structure an argument how all the districts are broken up, how to determine what case law is in each district. So this is an extremely advanced course, an extremely popular course for inmates that are desperately trying to get out of their out of um, out of uh, prison. But in the during the course of this, Frank's got 30 guys every 3 months you got 30 guys coming in taking this course, maybe 40. He's able to pluck like, this guy has a, a keen legal mind. Boop. I'm going to use him. This guy, boop. Good. This guy, super smart. Boop. This guy, maybe he's not so bright, but he types well. Boop. Boop. He puts together a, a, a media. I always say small, but whenever I've, I've said small before to Frank or to any of my other buddies that were incarcerated, they're like, small? Yeah, that's at least a medium size. Like, this guy, this guy's got... He's got six guys typing for him. He has guys that are paralegals. He has other guys. He has like four or five guys he would call his associates, which he would he would pass cases on to, and he would kind of manage those. This guy is working, literally at one point, I'll bet you he was in the process of, of filing or managing over 100 cases. He had dry mount boards, and listen, it was so overwhelming that he I was in unit B4. He was in unit B3. They had taken every unit in the in the prison, right? There's four, four, there's 12 of them. Every one of them had a large room, probably the size of probably the size of a bedroom, of an average bedroom, that they that was dedicated to be a a library for the unit. So you didn't have to go to the main library. You could go to a small library. They cleaned out the library and made that Frank's office. Frank had his own legal office in the unit. You had to make appointments with the guy. He had, he had crypts 
you know, the gang member, the Crip gang members guarding the door. He had Crip gang members keeping his appointment schedule for him. It, listen, it, I can't even tell you how insane this fucking, looking back on this, how insane it was. Now, I, even at the time, I was like, this is nuts. So what he had done was he put together this, this law firm. He's, act, he's probably working on at least roughly 100 cases. And at this point, I, within months of my own kind of thing falling apart, my own case and my possible reduction falling apart, I'm hearing about guys getting released the guys are walking around going holy shit like bro you know jimmy jimmy who jimmy jimmy two-face oh, oh yeah, yeah 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 bro he left well he got transferred no he left his frank won his motion it was an immediate release what what do you immediate like that doesn't happen that doesn't happen and you're like Dude got fucking 30 years. Yeah, well, he done 15 years. Frank got him cut loose. Damn. A week later. Hey, you know, uh, you know, Tommy, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy with the crew cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, bro. He, Frank got 10 years off his sentence. What? Like you're hearing this every week, every two weeks, at least three, two to four times a month on average, you're hearing about Frank getting something Somebody's case gets, you know, two years knocked off this one, four years, 10 years, 15 years, five years, six years. This guy got an immediate release. So after four or five months of this, in my own case, I'm doomed, right? Like I can't become a lawyer in the next couple of years to try and file this case, my own case. And by that point, look, I was writing my memoir. I'm writing guys' books. Like I've got, I was like, look, I got my own little routine going going on, right? I'm, I got a good routine, and if I'm okay with it, do I really want to spend the next two years educating myself? I say two years because law school is two years. So, you know, do I want to spend two years educating myself to become a lawyer to fight a case that's a losing battle, or do I, or, or do I just go to to Frank or one of these one of these jailhouse lawyers? Like Frank was an actual lawyer on the street. So, anyway, I have a buddy whose name his name was. Um, they called him Turk. His name is uh, Shannon, which I guess Shannon, you don't want to be called Shannon in prison, right? Like, you know, he was a pale, thin, pale guy with, with blue eyes, you know, which, you know, is not, not a good look um, in prison. So I go to Shannon and I said, uh, um, hey, bro, what's up? Um, what, tell me about Frank. And, and so we start talking about Frank and I tell Shannon what happened in my case. And he's like, you need to talk to Frank. I'm like, Frank's nuts, bro. Like, I heard he's really nuts. He goes, he is nuts. He's fucking certifiable. I'm telling you, you're never going to meet a more batshit crazy guy than Frank Amadeo. And I'm like, that's not like a strong endorsement. He is, I'm telling you also right now, he is, he is, um, he's like, you know that kid, that, that, that black guy, Leroy, the guy that, that held up the, the, um, uh, the armored car, uh, armored car, and pulled a gun out, and this and that, and you know this, and they got into a firefight, and I'm like, yeah, 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 like 30 years. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, right. What about him? He goes, Frank just got 15 years knocked off his sentence. He leaves in a year. He's gonna get to see his son graduate high school because of that lunatic. And I thought, I mean. That's a pretty that's that's a that's a pretty good endorsement actually. So I go to Frank with with uh, with Shannon. I bring bring my case file. Well, first I bring what I have. I bring some of my stuff there, and Frank 
looks at it for a little bit, and I stand there, and he kind of flips through some stuff and looks at this and looks at that, and he comes back and he says, let me ask you some questions. I, when did they come to you and ask you to do this on this? So do you have an email? I said, I do have an email. Like I had, my, my lawyer sending me all this stuff. Like I'm constantly asking, send me that email. Send me this. Send me all the correspondence. And she was good about that. So I have a bunch of stuff. Um, so Frank's looking at it all. And he says, well, this is a tragedy. Like, you, you, they should have reduced your sentence. I'm like, I know, but I talked to these lawyers on the street, and they said this, and they said that. And Frank goes, no, no, no. I'm not going to let them do this. I'm not going to let them do this. This is wrong. This is, he becomes indignant. Like, I absolutely refuse to allow this to happen. And I can see in his face he's lo- about to lose it. And he's like, I refuse to allow them to do this. This is wrong. This is what's wrong with the legal system. When he goes, when my troops wash, uh, hold on, I don't remember. He goes, when my troops march on Washington, we will burn the Constitution, and the president will kneel at my feet. I will not let this happen. And I'm sitting there, and I look over at, I look over at Shannon, and he's glancing at me, and kind of like. We're, listen, like, Frank got so nuts. Like, we didn't even move. We just sat there like, what just happened? Like, and I can't even do it right. I'd have to start screaming. And he stops, and all of a sudden, Frank kind of stops, and he goes, <sighs> takes a couple breaths, and he goes, okay, I'm going to need your full transcript. I'm going to need to get a copy of the case file. I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and have my secretary uh, order a copy of your uh, of your docket sheet. Uh, I'm also going to need the filing of your, uh, and he starts naming off all the things that he needs. He said, and I'm like, "Um, okay, I'll have my, I can have my lawyer send that stuff. He's like, okay, all right, that's perfect. We're not, and he looks at me and he says, he goes, don't worry. I'm not going to let this happen. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make them reduce your sentence. And I walked out of there. So I was like, okay, okay. I walked out of there and I remember thinking that I was doomed. Like, I know the result now, so I get upset about it. But I can tell you that at the time, I thought, what a, what a, you know, this is a waste of time. This guy's not going to help me. He can't help me. He just went on a rant about having his troops march on Washington. This is a guy who doesn't get to pick what he eats dinner tonight. You know, this is a guy who's told when to go to sleep, when to wake up. So, you know, what to wear. So this guy's not going to help me. You know, I I was I, at that point I was so depressed, so upset about the whole situation. But I got all I started gathering all of the information that Frank asked me to get. So listen, the next video I'm gonna do. Well, one I appreciate you guys watching. I'm gonna do another video. The next video I'm gonna get into Frank Amadeo, his basically uh, his. His childhood, when, listen, he's got so many interesting, really, things about, like, why he believes he's preordained to be emperor of the world. When 
He began hearing the voice of God, the CIA coming to him and trying to hire him. It's a whole interesting uh, situation uh, involving Amadeo. So I'm going to get into all that. And then, uh, and then, of course, as it progresses, I will explain to you how he ended up getting my sentence reduced and, and that legal process. But I don't want to just do that right now. So... I appreciate you guys watching. Do me a favor, stay tuned for the next video and we're going to get into the we're going to get into um the genesis of Frank Amadeo. If you can't wait for the rest of the video, you can also buy the book. You can buy the book. It's insanity. It's insanity, the bizarre story of a bipolar megalomaniac's insane plan for total world domination. It's huge, bro. I also have a, an audible version. Anyway, or stay tuned and uh, keep watching the videos. I really appreciate you guys watching. Yeah, we're going to get into the genesis of uh, who Frank Amadeo is.